I knew I needed to change and I knew I had to ask God to help me change and I would be different this time. I said that so many times. This time was different and I made a different, I made a change this time. Part of that was writing out what I would do differently and had a whole plan for how it would change my life. I wrote my first version of my first book for my kids thinking that I could implement this plan, my kids can implement this plan and they would be awesome too. Hey there, my name is Kim, and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I'm so happy you've joined me today. I love stories about comebacks, stories of people who have reinvented themselves, stories of people who take control of their lives and make things happen. I think I enjoy these stories because they're empowering. They help us all see that we are not limited by whatever our circumstances are today. We are not limited by our past, and we have the choice minute by minute to continue along the same path, or to change course. So I was excited when today's guest reached out to me. Fortune served nine months in jail on drug-related crimes and went on to earn a master's degree in psychology from Grand Canyon University, and he's currently working on a PhD in psychology with a focus on human performance. He's a self-publishing strategist, best-selling author, and proud father of two awesome kids, an athlete, a martial arts movie junkie, and he says he loves chocolate chip cookies, but only the soft batch. I spoke with Fortune about how he turned his life around, how he's making money today, and the ways he's helping others make money using storytelling. I hope this interview inspires you and maybe helps you make a little extra cash. Welcome to the show, Fortune. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm super, super excited. I've had my I've had my ginger honey tea going over here. My throat was ready. Let's go. Okay, so we are going to jump into the hard question. You okay. were an addict and a mm-hmm. five-time felon. Oh, yeah. Before you got into what you're currently doing now to make money on your own and teach people how to make money, can you yes, tell ma'am. us just a little bit about what that was like? Yes, ma'am. Uh, this, this is a fantastic story because God did a lot for me that I don't know that I was really deserving of. I remember in 2013, I was on home detention for the first felony I got that that year. And I had a netbook. You remember a netbook's a little small, about the size of a tablet that you get on the internet with, all right? And I was learning how to do things on the internet. So I thought I was going to change my life. I started writing blog posts, started Creating these crazy YouTube videos, they're so bad, but I was trying all these things. But when my time came up that I could go back to doing, just being free again, I went back out to running around the streets. So I immediately went caught back up to what I was doing. I found myself in the, like the first Thursday of November getting caught for the same crime. I was shoplifting. Well, I went into, went into the jail. I was like, all right, I can't do this again. I'm not going to do this again. And my parents bailed me out. I get out on Monday, that next Thursday, that same Thursday, 
right back in there for the same thing. So I caught three felonies for the same crime in the same year, which should have meant that I went to prison without any trials or anything else. But again, God had a different plan for me. And then I ended up picking up two more while sitting in jail, waiting to see what's going on. People stay in my car. And so I'm getting, I'm getting more stuff coming, adding to my record. And I'm in jail. It was crazy. I ended up with five felonies, three of, two of which when I was sitting in jail, I couldn't have done anything about. What ended up happening is I got into a drug court program. But then I found out about this drug court program about like two months, three months into my sentence or awaiting. But it was like a, lo- a long list of people that needed to get into this program. So I had to wait. So I either graduated from the program, failed out of the program, or just got kicked out of the program. So every couple months, I would go in front of the judge thinking I'm about to get out. But I wouldn't get out. All right, this going to be the time. No, like it's not the time. About six months in, I have this green folder. And on that inside of it, I've written on it, uh, Psalms 23 prayer, sitting, written it all out, reading it over and over. And I had these paperwork that I had done, all the programs I'd been in, all the things that I was doing in there on the right side, I had some of the documents and I thought I was going to go, and today was the day. I went to the court, sat in front of the judge and they asked the prosecution if they were ready to proceed. They said, no, your honor. Devastated. Cause I had this whole presentation thinking that I was going to be Get out that day, but I didn't. I get back to the door, and I'm mad at God. I'm mad at God. I go to the window, which is my prayer closet. I little Bible sitting set out in the window. I'm looking at them. Everything you told me to do, the this and the this. Why am I still here? Let's get quiet and just staring out at the parking lot. And I hear this voice. This just says, "You're not ready." For some reason, I was, ex- I was receiving that. Come out of the window, grab my Bible, I'm like, all right. So we keep going and not worry about when I was going to get out. Now, it was another three months before I got out, but that day I had to prepare for how to explain to the rest of the people that were in my Bible study that it's okay to be mad with God. And that's one of the things that I learned is that that, that conversations with God, and this, it's, it's, it opens so much up for me. For me to be comfortable that he hadn't taken care of me because I should have been going straight to prison. The opportunity to get out into this program and then get clean was the blessing. My daughter being born a month before I was released was a blessing. Part of the reason that I even stayed clean is because of my daughter. I didn't know what I really wanted to do, but here's what I knew. Here's what I knew was Jim. I knew I needed to change and I knew I'd ask God to help me change and I would be different this time. I said that so many times. This time was different and I made it different. I made a change this time. Part of that was writing out, I believe was writing out what I would do differently and had a whole plan for how I would change my life. I wrote my first version, my first book for my kids thinking that I could implement this plan. My kids can implement this plan and they would be awesome too. Even if I decided to go be a mess up again and go can do something stupid, get probably back in jail. And it changed my life, fulfilling the plan that God put on me because I didn't come I didn't come up with ideas because ideas were downloaded to me. I just took note of them. Now, were you a Christian before this or is discovering God throughout your your time you know, part of the story? No, I wasn't a convert in and when I got locked up. I was I was a Christian before. Here I was actually catch this. 
I would ride down the street playing Christian hip hop while I'm getting high or doing trying to do whatever I was doing. Cause I, so I was trying constantly, like when I was sober, clean for time periods, I would try to like, all right, keep myself filtered, filtering through the thoughts that's going on and trying to keep building myself up like the stop. But it never, it never, uh, I never really agreed to it. I kept saying, God's got me. God's got me. I kept pushing him off to the side. Like he's got me. I was really being arrogant. Let's put it that way. I was really arrogant. So then what do you think was like, what made it stick this last time? I had, what made it stick this last time was knowing that I was doing something that I no longer wanted to do. And the read and that I was, Raising about. I mean, I just got, it was Thursday. I got locked up and here I am the next Thursday, get locked up for the same thing. And I wasn't taking any, I wasn't trying to be careful about it. I was just doing whatever. I'll be reckless. And knowing that that time, if God got me out of there, I wasn't going to prison. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm too pretty to be in prison. I don't think that at all. I'm not a big guy. That's not who I am. I was just being stupid. And so it was like, if I get out, that's it. Uh-uh. Well, it's time to change. So then now you have felonies. Mm-hmm. And that means that in general, it's kind of hard to find a job. And sometimes it's hard to yes, find sir. a place to live. So yep. what did you do from there? So when I, I started working at restaurants, first okay. off, something about, so mo- a lot of restaurants have a kitchen that's full of people who are done bad things. Okay. Uh, just know that. Now, uh, to give you an example, when I went to culinary school on the first day, uh, well, the first week of introduction to culinary school, the professor, a chef instructor said that 80% of chefs are alcoholics or addicts. Hmm. Me being a smart book that I have raised my hand, when I'm caught on, I said, what's wrong with the other 20%? What's not by words, right? So that's just thinking about in jail, what you work with, but it doesn't mean they're not creative. So I got back in, I got in the restaurant, start cooking again. And then I got in uh, my uh, next girlfriend told me about a company, a local company that I still work with to this day because they blessed me with this. Um, to start working with an auction company and start helping make, make these fundraisers and all these fundraisers and raise money for all these organizations. Like to this day, as a matter of fact, I just became a supervisor with it because I never left that company. I love them that much and what they do in the world that I stayed with them. And that, well, those are the two places that I started off with. And then a network marketing company, another Christian woman I met at a, at a business event, introduced me to a company, network marketing. And I'll guess this on Sundays at their week, at their, their three months, every time three months, they have these big conventions on Sunday, they would have a call worship at this network marketing company. And I was like, it's different. That's a, I've never seen that before. So all these little signs said that I need to change. And I had these people coming in and gathered around me and helping me along with my family. And so that's an, another awesome part of your story, I think, too, is that a lot of times people relapse and they end back up in jail or in prison yep. because they haven't changed the things that you did change. And mm-hmm. part of that is changing the people that you surround yourself oh, with. Absolutely. So you were definitely making some good choices as far as the caliber of the people you were spending time with. Yes. Um, and I knew these things again, but I've been in network marketing a, lo- a long time, been multiple companies I've been in. And one of the things about network marketing companies that I, were, I was in was constantly reading personal development. That's why I have so many books here behind me all over the place. I have thousands of books on my phone and so forth. And one of the 
guys that I remember, Charlie Tremendous Jones said that you would be the same person you are today, five years from now, except for the people you meet and the books you stand on. So I constantly read the read books and I was, I knew I needed to get around uh, different people. In fact, when I wanted to get better at using drugs and, and figuring out how to steal and do all that stuff, I got around people who are very good at it. And that's how I learned how to do it. And so I took those same skills to do that <laughs> stupid stuff out there in the street. So so it was time for me to change here. I do the same thing. Um, my father, my father also raised me to be around the people who are better than me because that was always going to elevate my game. I'm an athlete. I was college on the full um, division scholarship. So I was constantly operating at a high level. I was always around people who were bigger than me, faster than me, and I had to figure out how to compete. So being a Russell and who had what I wanted and was at a different level was part of my makeup. And I did the same thing when it came to finally change, making a shift. That's so awesome. Now you teach people now yep. how to create multiple streams of income. Yes, ma'am. Tell me a little bit about that. Why do you think that's important first? It's, first and foremost, it's important because series why living can be expensive. And the dependency on one stream of income is not what I learned from all the wealth books that I read. The wealthy individuals that I met have multiple streams of income. In fact, I went to a program in 2005 with Robert Allen. It was called the Enlightened Millionaire Institute. Now, Enlightened Millionaire Institute had built into it that we were a part of whatever we were earning from what they taught us how to make money. 10% of it, at least, was supposed to go to some foundation, some organization. It was part of that. That was the enlightened portion of becoming a millionaire. But he, they taught several different programs on real estate, on stocks, on um, info marketing back in the early 2000s. So like how to do how to earn this income. They said you need to have multiple streams of income because you never know which one is going to make you, it's going to take care of you. The economy shifts, this was going to work. The economy shifts again, this was going to work. But I ha- always have all of them. And I remember it was Rockefeller, reading my Rockefeller saying that he would ha- rather have 1% of the w- efforts of 100 people than 100% of the efforts of one person. You sprint out the, the opportunities to make wealth. What I have learned to go through the different coaches that I've had in internet marketing and with information marketing is that I did a research to find out what the top thought leaders were doing. I found out that they had a signature talk. They had a signature book. They had a signature system, whatever, whether that was coaching, consulting, or courses, or whatever. They had some way of going into businesses and changing them with their, with their method, okay, a process. And then they were excellent marketers. So I figured the marketing I had to figure out later on. I thought, I thought, yeah, I'm figuring the marketing out because I still had the idea of if you have the message, they'll come, like that whole idea, like you put it out there, they'll come. So I wrote, the, I started writing the books and I started creating courses. I started working on my speaking. And all of those, all three of those are products if you know how to package them properly. And it's all coming from one core system. So from that one course, I start teaching people how to create the courses, how to create the coaching, how to create the consultant, how to turn it into a retreat, how to turn it into whatever it is you do. A podcast is another version of taking your system and turning it into a, a product or service to offer. And another thing I love about what you're saying here is that all of the ideas that you've just thrown out there have nothing mm-hmm. to do with your level of education, oh. your level of wealth, where you live. 
mm-hmm. uh, whether you're in prison or mm-hmm. sitting in your mother's basement or in your mm-hmm. own house. I mean, it has nothing to do with any of that. It's something mm-hmm. everybody has access to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Tell me, so tell me now, you teach people how to write mm-hmm. their own books. Absolutely. What's the starting point? How how do you get people? How do you get people out of their heads first to say, "Ha, ah, I do have an idea and it's valid." I'm a, I'm a people person. I have a special gift of uh, being able to connect with people. It's a skill that I developed over being a kid. Actually, we're in in military kid, so we were move around every three, four, five years. So I never really connected with a lot for someone for a long time to know, didn't know how to nurture long relationships, but I did know how to make friends quickly. So that ability to connect with people where they are is something that I've developed over, over, over my lifetime, right? So sitting down with someone and just honestly being this fascination, I get that from Jim Rohn to have it. I, children are so awesome because they have a fascination with life and that's why they learn so quickly. So if I want to learn from you or learn about you and how I can help you, I must be fascinated with who you are. That means I ask questions to find out more why, just like you're doing here now, why would you do that? How did that happen? Tell me more. Tell me more. And the more you start getting fascinated and interested in someone, they just start telling all their business. Before they start telling you all their business and you're even, yeah, and you have the process. Um, I have a system that I know like, all right, well, I pull that there, pull that there. I have a process that's going on in my head. Where I can take the piece of the story and start seeing, oh, that connects here, that connects here, that connects here, and start seeing how that comes together. Now, part of that is a gift. Part of that is I've just been doing enough of them that I can see it. And then you have a story framework that you yes. take people through. Yes, ma'am. Why, why is story important first? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Story is important because story is what connects us all. From the beginnings of times uh, of people coming, humans coming into community, we have been storytelling individuals, whether that was bronze on the walls or that's grunts or you just walking through and using hands and gestures and mimicking what happens to communicate how to do a certain thing. So the ability to tell stories is what connects us all. It goes so far as that when you, I don't know if you know this was Kim, if you, have you ever been in a movie and you're so engrenched in the movie and then like the person either gets kicked or falls down or they get scared and you jump too. Yeah, it's the same thing. That right there is what we call the mirror effects. Yeah, a mirror, a mirror neurons in our, in our brain that I've completely connected with the story so that I can feel what you are feeling. So what better way for us to learn than when me to tell a great story and then you are feeling what I'm feeling, you're also completely in the moment. You can almost picture what I'm saying if I do it well, right? So that ability to connect is so powerful in that I want you to do what I want you to do. I must tell you the right story. I must listen to know where you're, where you are, paint a picture of where you want to be, and then show how this process is going to help you get there. That's all storytelling. I'm going to tell you the journey of how you're going to go from where you are to where you would like to be. And in that process, I'm going to help be your guide to get there. There was a great story. There was a great, um, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard a story about a gentleman who wanted to, they were stuck on the island and they wanted to, um, the leader wanted to get off the island, but he needed a boat built. He wasn't going to build a boat himself, but they all wanted to do it. And he figured that 
Telling them to build him a boat wasn't going to be as powerful as painting the picture of what it'd be like to be out in the open water and finding where they were going to be. And because they had a vision of what freedom would look like and finally this new lands, they built a boat for him. And that's what we're trying to do with storytelling, painting the image of what it would look like out there on the sea and the new lands. And let's build this boat to get there. So what this makes me think of, too, is mm-hmm. so you're probably aware that Everybody in marketing right now is talking about AI copywriting and chat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've yep. been using Jasper for, I don't know, Jasper AI. six months. Yeah. So I, it was not like something new to me, but everybody's mm-hmm. talking about it now. And mm-hmm. then when they start talking about it, oh, the robots are going to take over the world. All you writers are going to be out of jobs. And mm-hmm. I think what you're talking about right now is exactly why AI is not going to kill jobs for writers because mm-hmm. you can't just say, tell the AI to write you a book because mm-hmm. what goes in the book? Mm-hmm. Stories. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. your stories and yep. they're relevant stories. And it, so AI is never, probably at least in my lifetime, not going to be, <laughs> sure. and maybe it can eventually, but at least in my lifetime, AI is not going to be to the point where it can go, okay, fortune. I just gave you this whole outline for this book and I'm going to plug in all your personal stories too to make Mm -hmm. that book unique and to make Mm -hmm. it stand out from all the AI garbage. Mm -hmm. It's going to need your stories. Yep. Yep. And now with the advent of AI, and I believe it's awesome to have it. It's something I use. I use Jeff for myself for a while and I just stopped using it because as a writer, I'm like, I just want to write. So I'm going to write. (laughs) But it was fascinating. (laughs) <laughs> the word again, to put in an idea and of what I wanted this software to create for me, and it would write it out. But just like I do with my, when I have ghostwriters, they're going to give me something and then I'm going to make it my own. Exactly. So there is value exactly. in it because now I don't necessarily have to go pay a ghostwriter to create my content for me. I can, they can give me the content, pull all the research and all that stuff, put all that stuff in there. And remember that AI isn't perfect because some of that content may be disproven or whatever. You still got to read that. If you're using the AI, you still got to fetch what you're doing. But to make it mine, which is one of the hardest skills with any ghostwriter or any copywriter is to be able to speak in the voice of the person that they're writing for, of my client. No one's ever going to take that away from you. Now, in the future, maybe they create some artificial intelligence as you could download your brain and on it. And stuff. we see the movies, then it might be able to do that. I don't know. At this time, no. But it doesn't mean I can't get a great start to what I'm doing and then take it and make it up, check it, and then make it my own. I see the value in doing that. If I want to run off a quick post or every day, try to put some out there like, uh, like the great the great people, the great minds who go out there and create content every single day. Original content. That is really hard to do. But realize how hard that is. But to have an AI to be able to do that for you, I get it. You're staying relevant. You're staying in front of people. But, you know, they can't take away the human factor. The human factor is route for reason. For sure. And I do think that it's good at using it as a brainstorming tool. Yeah. Or as an outline or a rough start. It might give mm-hmm. you ideas that you hadn't thought of. but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you bring the personality to it. Absolutely. Now, I would like you, if you're willing, to tell us a little bit about the story framework. Okay, excellent. Yeah, the story formula is something that I have developed over several years of writing a lot of sales copy 
going to a lot of copywriting courses and figure and really getting diving into storytelling. I love storytelling. So I figure, how do I marry these two? Because story is what one of the things that you have, and it's one of the best copywriters. There's constantly a story in there. You get involved in the next thing you know, you're like, I want to be like that. And you're just like, wait a minute. It, man, all I did was tell you a story, and now you want to be like that. And the way to be like that is pay $10.99 for this. <laughs> okay? That's awesome. How do you do that? But I also had these ideas of creating content. And content comes out a little bit differently when you're trying to do social media, things of that nature. So what I looked at was how do I turn this persuasive, the, the art of persuasion and storytelling and married it to for someone to be able to create their content very, very easily. Mm-hmm. What I came up with is about a story formula. Starts off with S stands for a statement. So what is the I overriding idea that you're, you're going to make? You say this is like anything you say, anything you create, any message you're trying to give out, you need to have an overriding statement. What is that? The T stands for tell a story. This is when you literally tell a story. Now tell a story, whether it's yours or from a client, you may even make up a story. Okay. I did a, I remember doing a podcast for a while while I was working on my storytelling craft where I would take stories I found on the internet, just fictional stories and rewrite them and then read on my podcast. Cause I was just working on both of them, telling stories and rewriting stories. So it was literally take that story and make pull a message out of it. Aesop Fable is the same thing. Pull a story out of message. Okay. So tell a story. And then, oh, there are four parts to the O. There is, what is the obstacle? What is, and every obstacle presents an opportunity. So what is the opportunity? The next O is the objective. So what are the steps that you're going to talk that you can give them right there? Um, and then the last O is objections. What part of this, what, are there, what objections are going to be raised by um, whatever you just told them, whatever you just taught? So if you take care of all those in there, and it, and this, that could be as simple as five sentences, four sentences, whatever. It doesn't have to be really long in order to do that portion. That's the bulk of your content. Okay. What is the obstacle they're facing to identify it? What is the opportunity? The opportunity is the process or ideas that you're going to help them overcome that obstacle. And then objectives, how do they do it? Or what are the, some people get confused about trying to teach too much about exact how to do everything when you can also teach the, the mindset or the strategy behind it is just as powerful. So in the strategy or the actual steps and then objections they may have trying to do, take on those things. The R is two steps to an R also. The R is review and reviews. So the reviews is obviously someone who's done taking that, taking out of the still actions and got some results, whether that's you or case studies. Okay. And then the, a review is reviewing all the stuff you just said. What did you just say? And the Y stands for yes. Yes, yes, yes. You want them to say yes to something, something. And it also breaks down because I had to turn it into another acronym for some reason where Raymond let it go. It stands for your ensuing step. So what is your next step? Okay. You just get them to say yes to what the next step is. That is a story formula. You can use that in all of your, your content creation, your emails. You can use it on podcasts. You can use wherever you want to create content. You also can use it for your sales layers. That is awesome. And it's an easy one to remember. I mean, it could even be. I think something as simple as you're telling a story about, yeah, Amy was a stay-at-home mom and she was so distressed because it was time for spring break and she didn't have extra income and she really wanted to take her kids on a spring break trip. And then Amy started working with us and she mm-hmm. Amy outlined the transformation. Oh, absolutely. All that. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would, with that being said, I want to give you a framework. Let me give you a framework. 
for those simple stories like that. It's called the awesome. AB, ABT framework. Okay. okay. ABT is by a guy named Randy Olson. Randy Olson was a marine biologist, but he also loved theater and scripts and script writing and so forth. And what he saw was there's a problem in research with the way they were putting off this and then, and then, and then, and then, and people would just get bored reading the research. So he's like, how do we make this more palatable? And he found out, he created, he came up with this idea from, of all places, South Park. Yeah. The creators of South Park were wanting to make their stories better. And they would sit around, so they would sit around in their script writing, trying to figure out how to make the scripts better. And they noticed that and, and, and made the story boring. But if I change it with like, what if this happened? Then this happened. What if this happened? Then this happened. So they changed it around. That same framework is the same way you would use for this process. So, and you say a statement, another fact. So statement and another statement, but this, therefore we're going to do this. Very simple story formula for using any situation or almost any situation that you want to tell a story. And it's phenomenal. And he's all over the place. I heard him on a podcast, I think last summer. And there's a little teeny tiny book that he put out. You can buy yep. it on Amazon. And I yep. have the book. It's it's a great framework. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. It, it elaborate. I mean, it goes into bit, yeah. bit better detail telling you how to use it, which mm-hmm. you never remember to use. But it's a really great framework. It really is. <laughs> so it's awesome that you brought that one up. So how then you, you get in somebody's head, you help mm-hmm. them realize they have a story to tell. Yep. What do they do when they work with you? How do you help them create this project that becomes a book that they can make money from? Oh, excellent. Excellent. Uh, there are five phases in what I call the signature book formula. Uh, if someone really wants to go see the, watch the whole video on that, I did a breakdown of that at signaturebookformula.com. However, there are 10 steps in it. Again, acronym, signature. Signature book. Awesome. Yeah. So the first step S is set up. So we're going to see where you're going to write it and get everything prepared. Um, for you writing this book. And part of that is you committing to finishing the book and also committing to publishing the book. That's two different things. There are people who have finished the book and haven't published it. Yeah. So you got to have to commit to finishing it and commit to publishing it. The I stands for intent. One of the key things here is realizing what I call uh, securing the bag. So you want to think of the profit first. And what that means is how are you going to benefit from this book? You need to know that for the beginning so that now the content of the book gears and steers people towards that end goal. Okay. So the intent, G stands for the gather. So you're going to gather information. The N is the narrow. So we're going to start putting it into uh, using the four brains formula that I teach, which is a, a process of eliminating writer's block by using props. Okay. We're going to use the way your brain works. Your brain does not like, que- does not like open-ended questions. It doesn't like leaving them open. Okay. That's the reason why. So to ask the name of a movie and you can't remember right now, an hour, a day, a week later, the idea pops in your head. You aren't thinking about it, but your brain may not let go on. So if that's the way our brain works and it's easier for us to ask questions, then how do I turn my outline into question? That's how we start eliminating writer's block in the author portion. Okay. The T is set for types up. That's when we start working on the cover and going and doing the formatting and things of that nature. Um, and also the editing. Uh, the U is making it unique. And this is where we, this is where you truly go in there and change and shift the, what you have going on in the books so that it's actually yours. And it also means doing the book description and 
uh, finalizing what the book's actually going to be, the title and so forth as you do the finishing the covers and getting it all wrapped up. The R stands for reviews. This is where we're going to start going and getting the book out to advanced readers and to maybe someone uh, just going to write a forward for you. So we're going to get this the book out and get feedback. And from that feedback, make adjustments to it. And maybe the story wasn't clear. Maybe that you said to over here, it doesn't make any sense, doesn't need to be in there. But you're not going to hear it. You're not going to notice it because in your head, everything makes sense or you wouldn't have written it. <laughs> right. So we get those reviews and make adjustments. And the E stands for exhibit. That's where you put the book out there on display. Well, that's going to be on the different book distributors out there or on your website. And I suggest both of them. Okay. So that you can control, as we're talking about mar- digital marketing here, on your own website, you now get to control the information. You don't get to control any information that people buy the book on Amazon or uh, to Digital or any, whatever. They, any other platform, they don't, you don't get to control the information. You do from your website. And then book is about, as we talk, we talk about multiple streams of income. How do I get booked on more stages using a book? How do I get more uh, bookings on my calendar using this book? How do I turn this book into more multiple streams of income? That's what the last step is there. And the book could also be the gateway to teaching a course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Too. I mean, that could be another thing there that absolutely take off of the book. Okay, so uh, then you're helping people. Are you also helping them then choose the platform or say like, oh, I want to do the Kindle direct publishing and mm-hmm. I, I'm going to walk you through all of the steps that are involved in that? Yes. My my, my course actually helps teach people how to pitch say this way, but how to become a bestseller. There's, there's a very simple strategy to become a bestseller on, on, on Kindle. You just need to know what it is. Now, it takes a lot of work or you need to have the right software to figure out what to do in order to do that. Um, so yes, I teach a lot of you get on Amazon because over 75% and maybe over 80% at this point of the books sold in the world are so Amazon and physical and digital. So you need to be on that platform. Uh, well, if that's your strategy, people are like, let me see that if you want. You don't have to. Now, what, what do you, do you think? What do you think when it comes to, so we're talking about self-publishing. Yeah. Yes, so ma'am. what do you think when there's somebody who's like, oh no, I, I can't self-publish. I want a traditional publisher to court me and give me the big advance. Mm-hmm. What's your response to that? That's fine. I have no, I, I have no problem being, um, if traditional, traditional publisher wants to come and pay me $100,000 plus for to, to write a book, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go all in. It's another level of, cre- you know, but that's another accomplishment. You get what I'm saying? You know, it's not necessarily needed for you to get your message out there. If you want you to get your message to get out there and you want it out there this year, you're not going to get out there this year from a, from a traditional publisher. You're going to be on their time schedule when they choose to put it. And they might say, and the market might change next year when your book is supposed to come out and like, oh, market's changed. We're pushing it back a whole other year. You can't do anything about it. In fact, you can't even use that content to write another book for yourself and self publish. You got to do something completely different. It's right. It just point. depends on what you want to do there. There's nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, um, I have stories from both sides, self-publishing, they didn't like it, and uh, traditional publishing, they didn't like it. But to get both, I think, would be the best to know that I've done my, you've done enough great work and done enough marketing as a self-published author that they got picked up by a traditional publisher. Now, here's the thing. The one thing that I, I, must say, I will say here, the traditional publisher, they're bored, very stringent right now. They know it's easy to put books out there. It's much harder to sell them. There's so many books out there now. They're, they're expecting you to have a platform. They're expecting you to have a platform and then you push the book. And then from you pushing the book, then they're going to continue marketing. There's other people they can get you in front of that you may not be able to get in front of yourself as easily. 
Not that you can do it as easily. And my thinking is, well, I'm going to build the platform myself. I don't need you. So it also depends on what you're trying to do. If you don't want to go figure out how to do the publishing, how to put this out there, create all this other thing while you're running your business, then you have somebody else do it. Well, and then there's also the Mm -hmm. fact that a traditional, there's no guarantee a traditional publisher is going to pick you up. That's very, very, very hard to do. And if you really want your thoughts out there in the world, this is how you take control. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We've eliminated, we've eliminated that that wall between you becoming an author um, and that the gatekeepers were the big six publishing firms out there. You are a wealth of knowledge. So let's make sure people know how to find you and mm-hmm. if they want to work with you or get your books, ex- tell us mm-hmm. that. And yes, I will put uh, this all in the show notes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, D. Arlando Fortune. You can find me there or you can find me at D. Arlando Fortune all over these internet streets. You Google D. Arlando Fortune, I will be on your platform there smiling. What final thoughts would you like to leave this audience with? You're only one book away from the next breakthrough, as you can see. Only one book away from the next breakthrough in your life or in your business. And what I mean by that is, when I was, as we go back to the story of being locked up, I was reading all types of personal development books. I was getting back into my Bible. And those books were helping me to remind me of who I could become and who I was. Who I was and who I was. And also what I could become. So the idea that a book can change a life is very, very pivotal to me. And if it's going to be transformed my life, because I want to help authors write transformative books. So if you just have a great story, I'm not this, I'm not your guy. <laughs> I need someone who wants to transform a life and you have a great, you're going to use your story to help transform a life. Then I will help you write your book. Okay. Uh, everybody has a great story because you're a child of God. Okay. So, but, but, but so if the book's going to help change my life, I want to help someone else change their life through this book. Getting your content out of your head is the best way that I know of for you to organize your ideas, to get clarity about what, what your message is, to organize people around a true mission, and then for you to use that book to create all type opportunities for you. So get find some way, even if you don't write the book or anything else, at least get the plan, get the outline, and you can use that for the rest of your career and your business in order to change, transform lives, and also to grow your business. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was fantastic talking to you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.